Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9. We'll be in verse number 25 through verse number 29. I want to read 25 through 29, but I'd like to preach from verses 27 through verse number 29. I'm not going to go back and re-preach verses 25 and 26. You might survey them quickly, but we want to get to verse 27, 28, and 29. If you found your place there in Romans chapter number 9, verse number 25, I would invite you to stand for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. The Bible said in Romans 9, 25, As he saith also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Esaias also crieth concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabo hath delivered us a seed, we had been as Sodom and, and been made like unto Gomorrah. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Lord, and I thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness. Thank you for the sweet songs of Zion. Thank you for the notes on the instrument tonight. God, thank you, uh, Lord, for our church. Thank you for those in attendance. God, I pray you'd be with the needs, God, that were mentioned tonight, God, the ones that we've got missing due to sickness. God, I pray you'd be with them, help them, comfort them. And Lord, for a little while tonight, I pray we would all set those things aside, everything that would distract us, Lord, uh, me in particular. And God, help me focus on your word for a few moments tonight. I pray you'd be glorified. I pray that I would do the word of God justice. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and let us leave here better than when we came. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. We're picking up here in Romans chapter number 9. And uh, some weeks ago now, we looked at the previous verses and we concluded that section looking at verse number 24 where it is revealed that God was merciful not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. Can I just say tonight, thank God. God is a God who shows mercy not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. I don't know what what all the Mormons believe, but I'm glad God's not just the God who shows grace to the whites. He shows it to the blacks and the yellows too. Somebody help me with that tonight. I'm glad God is a God who will show mercy to all who will receive His mercy. Amen. Aren't y'all glad of that? You don't got to be a certain race to be part of God's family. You don't got to be of a certain generation to be part of God's family. You don't got to be only male or only female to get in God's family. You only got to be only wealthy or only poor to get in God's family. Brother George, I'm glad God will take people of all shapes, sizes, colors, and demographics. Amen. And last week we looked at verse 25 through 26 and we looked at God's mercy on a received people. We looked at God's mercy 
mercy on the Gentiles. And, and we looked at how uh, God used uh, uh, the prophecy of Hosea and uh, how God, what God said about the nation of Israel. And God gave Paul the authority to pin it in the Word of God and took that specific Jewish prophecy and applied it to the Gentiles. And we who were never the people of God, Brother Thomas, we get to be the people of God. We weren't part of the beloved, but now we are part of the beloved. Aren't y'all glad for grace and mercy? Amen. Amen. I'll give you one verse that we read last week. Move on. About the Gentiles. The Bible said in 1 Peter 2.10, Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. We used to not be the people of God. Now we're the people of God and we get to be the children of the living God. So verses 25 and 26, we see mercy on a received people. Mercy on the Gentiles. Tonight I want to look at verses 27 through 29 and look at God's mercy on a rescued people. God's mercy on a rescued people or God's mercy on... The Jews. Last week was the Gentiles. Tonight, in these three verses, we'll look at God's mercy on the Jews. A people who will who we can identify, we can categorize as a rescued people. Let's look at the Bible says together. Verse 27. Esaias also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Esaias said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth hath left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. We're looking at the Jews. Last week we noticed how Paul used or cited or quoted Hosea. Here we find Paul quoting or referencing Isaiah. Isaiah is the Hebrew name and the Greek equivalent of that name would be Esaias. That's who we're looking at. Verse 27 and verse 28 are quotations to Isaiah chapter 10, verse 22 and 23, and verse 29 is our quotation of Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 9. Let me say that one more time if you want to take your notes or want to look them up later. Verse 27 and 28 are quotations of Isaiah chapter 10, uh, verse 22 through 23, and verse 29 is a quotation or reference to Isaiah 1-9. For your benefit and with God's, uh, God's permission, I'm going to read those verses quickly and we'll jump right back here into Romans. Isaiah 10, 22 and 23, the Bible says, For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decree shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts, that's the Lord of Saboth, the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. Notice this, Isaiah 1, 9. Except the Lord had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. So just looking at those three verses, let me just point out something quickly. There's, uh, there's uh, something mentioned here about Israel facing something and there's going to be a remnant. A remnant. Facing something and a remnant. And it's, 
it's no, it said it's even determined. They're going to face something, Brother Bill, that's determined, calculated, but there would be a remnant. God's going to leave a very small remnant, according to Isaiah 1, 9, to prevent them from being like Sodom and to prevent them from being like Gomorrah. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again tonight. When we look at verses that pertain to Old Testament Jewish prophecy, to be hermeneutically accurate, we must pick up uh, the primary context or the immediate context or the primary interpretation before we move on to anything else. So we've got to address it in the context of Isaiah, and then we'll pick it up and look at it in Romans the way God used it in Romans. So y'all just follow along with me just for a moment. The immediate context, Isaiah 10, 22, and 23, and Isaiah 1, 9, refer to the captivity of both the northern and southern kingdoms. Take time out. The northern kingdom would go into Assyrian captivity, and the southern kingdom would go into Babylonian captivity. So it refers to the, uh, the captivity of both kingdoms, and Israel's, specifically Judah's, Subsequent return from captivity. Now, that's exactly what we've been preaching on on Sunday mornings in the book of Ezra. God moved in the spirit of Cyrus to allow a a wave of people to return to Jerusalem. And as you go through that further in biblical history, finishing Ezra, finishing Esther, finishing Nehemiah, those three books, uh, we'll find that that more Jews are going to return. But that is part of that fulfillment is found in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Okay, so that's what we're looking at there. The prophet Isaiah's cried included calculated judgment and glorious restoration. Now, I hope y'all follow follow me when I say this. Glorious restoration. I'm going to jump, jump, jump the gun. I believe God had a plan of restoring them then in Ezra's day, or more specifically, Zerubbabel's day. I believe God has uh, plans, uh, had plans for Israel throughout history. But we cannot, we, we got we to hit this while we're in Romans. I cannot be one who preaches or proclaims or advocates the idea that we have replaced Israel. I believe God had promises for them then. And I believe God's got promises for them now. We are not spiritual Israel. We are the church of the living God. Hallelujah. But Israel is still very precious to God. I think glorious restoration then, and I believe there's still a glorious restoration ahead. So that's the immediate context. But then there's a prophetic citation and ultimately a divine application that God wants us to see here in verse 29, 27, 28, 29. And it makes it very clear this is concerning Israel. Y'all see that? Concerning Israel, verse number 27. So the divine application, prophetic citation, Romans 9, 27 through 29 refers to an additional and still future season of calculated judgment and their glorious deliverance. Promised judgment and subsequent restoration are awaiting the nation of Israel. He said, no, Brother Jacob, Israel's become a nation again, and, and they're recognized by the world. They're protected by the world. Well, they may be now, and Israel may be a state now, and recognized as a place now, and got some uh, protections now, but you hear me and hear me well. There's still a judgment waiting Israel. There is still a restoration awaiting Israel. This, uh, this, this, some, some people would claim that this restoration took place in 1948. 
But uh, I believe there was some, there's some, there's some to that, but there's still something in the future. And Brother Bill knows where I'm going. There, Judah's return from Babylon had long since been completed. So I believe God and Paul had a different season in mind. Y'all, y'all, here, just you, y'all, just humor me for a second. When Paul wrote this, Sister Carolyn, Judah had long since returned to Jerusalem. They had long since been free from Babylonian captivity. So when God tells Paul to write this, I don't think he's talking about Ezra's day, Zerubbabel's day, Nehemiah's day. I think he's talking about something different. Concerning the Jews, concerning the Jews in these verses, what can we say? Last week we said to the Gentiles, God is just getting started with the Gentiles. For the Jews we say, God's not yet finished with the Jews. It's not finished with the Jews. According, let me just take time out before I go, go any further. Uh, what I'm about to preach, not a lot of people preach, not a lot of people talk about, but it's something recorded in the pages of God's Word, so we better trust it and take it to the bank because it is the truth of God. According to verse 27 and verse number 28, there is an event on the docket, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea. You say, what does that mean, Brother Jacob? There's not an exact number, but a guesstimation from world consensus would be that there's 15 million Jews on planet Earth right now. Now, we don't know, and I don't got exact, Brother Ed, I don't got an exact figure on when this event takes place, but I'm just going to speculate there's going to be above 15 million Jews when this event takes place. There is an event not only that will take place uh, that's on the docket uh, when uh, though the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea. There's an event on the docket where only a remnant will be saved. So something's coming, Brother Thomas, though the children of Israel are numbered as the sand of the sea. And the Bible tells us here in verses 27, verse 28, or verse 27 rather, and in verse number 29, it says, a remnant shall be saved. So, Brother Jacob, that was that number that returned uh, from Babylon. I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I think he's talking about something different. Only a remnant will be saved. I want to run a, a push, drop a side note right here, and I think it'd be beneficial for everybody that will take just take my take my instruction just on this topic just real quick. I think it'd be very helpful. Side note. I'm going to ask you a question. Only uh, uh, The Bible tells us in verse 27, a remnant shall be saved. Side note, saved from what? Saved from what? Saved from sin? Saved from hell? Or maybe saved from eradication? Allow me to suggest a great hermeneutic practice. Okay? This would be very beneficial if, you would, if you'll take this advice and apply it to your study of God's Word. Take it to when you listen to preaching. Take it when you listen to teaching. Use, use this to help you un- understand and interpret Scripture. It'll benefit you greatly if you'll put this practice into practice. Do not flippantly or errantly define words. Instead, allow the context of a text define 
works. You say, what do you mean, Brother Jacob? I've made this mention before, but we cannot take how we define words in 2023 and use those same definitions to define words that were translated into English in 1611. Give you a good example. People always look at me crazy. Despise in 2023 is I hate you. But despise in Old English 1611, despise, let no man despise thy youth in 1 Timothy 4.12, I believe it is. Let no man despise thy youth. Brother Bill, that, that's not, don't let anybody hate you. It's don't let anybody think any less of you. So we got to understand, not all work definitions in our time are the same definitions as what they were in days gone by. I was reading a book earlier, and uh, uh, he used the phrase, and I'll give you the phrase, and maybe y'all knew this and I just didn't know this, but when I say take for granted, I mean like you don't appreciate something. But he kept using, he was, he was skimming a subject, and he said, we have to take that for granted now. Like, I'm thinking like you are un- being unappreciative. He was just saying we're bypassing. Y'all see that those are, those are not the same uses of the word. And, of course, this book was written... Hundreds of years ago in London, the book I'm reading, it's a fantastic book, by the way, hallelujah. But save from what? That's what we're, that's what we're looking at. That's the practice we're looking at. So we cannot flippantly or errantly define words. We cannot make the words mean what we want them to mean. We have to let context determine what they mean. Okay? We've got to let context determine what they mean. So follow me, follow me if you will. For example, Baptism is not always water. Baptism's not always water. It's not always water. If baptism is always water or is always spiritual, false doctrine will ensue. Y'all hear me? If it's always spiritual, you're missing something. If it's always water, you're missing something. But the, the Bible context, or the, the clear uh, interpretation of the Bible is if you get saved, which is spiritual baptism, then you follow the Lord in physical baptism, and you follow the Lord in water baptism, spirit baptism, water baptism. So every time you find baptized in the Bible, it can't always be water, and it can't always be spiritual. You have to let context determine it. I'll give you a good example. I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we all baptize into one spirit. That's not talking about water. That's spiritual yes, baptism. Now there's a lot of confused Baptists that will use that, that 1 Corinthians 12, 13 to say you've got to be baptized into the waters of a local church to be part of the body. That's not what it's talking about. That's talking about spiritual baptism. That makes sense tonight. Allow context of a text define a word. Now, we agree on that. We agree on that, that with, about baptism. There's two different kinds of baptisms in the Word of God. Well, there's more than two, but there's two main ones. Amen. There's baptism by dirt and there's baptism by fire, which are both different than what water and uh, spirit baptism are. Amen. But I'm going to say this. We agree on that. Sometimes baptism's water. Sometimes it's, spirit, sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's judgment. Sometimes it's death. Right. So we agree. I'm going to say something, and don't cut me off. Don't cut me off. I'm going to give you a proof from the Word of God. Salvation is not always eternal. Now, what God gives you is always eternal, but salvation or being saved is not always eternal. 
in Scripture. Now, when the context proves that it's talking about eternal life, then it's forever. But there are instances in the Bible where salvation and saved are not talking about eternity. They're talking about something rather different. Salvation is not always eternal. Sometimes it's not always spiritual. For example, Peter got temporal, physical salvation when he cried, Lord, save me. In Matthew 14, 30. Because though the Lord pulled him out of those waters he was sinking in, he still was crucified for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y'all follow me there? He was, that was a temporal salvation. That was a physical salvation. That's not, every, so every time you see the word save, it's not always eternal. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it is temporal. I'm going to go and spoil it to you here. I think this what this is talking about here is not a remnant being eternally saved, and that may be true as well, but I think some, that this remnant that's going to be saved is going to be physically saved. So go ahead and have in your mind as further we go. Brother Bill, I think the Lord is talking about sparing them from some physical attack, some physical defeat, some physical eradication. So keep that in mind. That's a good hermeneutic practice to, to look at words in their context and to understand and appreciate and fully understand the text. There is an event on the docket that the Lord will have to cut short. Y'all see verse 28? For He will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Now somebody took those verses and say, Oh, that's a... Of course, in Isaiah 10, it probably had to do with God working in the heart of Cyrus and sending the first waves of, of, of the remnant home. I, I'm sure that's there. But this is long since past when Paul is using this quotation. That it's not talking about a past event. It's still talking about something that's still future. It is an event that here that is approaching, that is obviously on God's timeline, that He will have to cut short. The first cutting short referred to captivity. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The coming, the coming cutting short refers to not captivity, but tribulation. So I'm not sure. Can I read you two verses in Mark chapter 13? You can read the same verses in Matthew chapter 24, but I want to read them here in Mark chapter 13, verse 19 and 20. For, don't miss these next three words. For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. The Lord Jesus, Sister Carolyn, is talking about an event that the world's never seen, the world isn't going to see, and the, it's not happening. The, the, there's an event coming With affliction, there is a day coming uh, that the world's never seen or will see until this very event takes place. Verse 20, And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. What is that talking about, Brother Jacob? But for the elect's sake, whom He hath chosen... He hath shortened the days. Y'all following me? God, so there's coming an event. There's coming an event where Israel's got, there's the sands of the sea. There's coming an event where there's only going to be a small remnant saved. 
And I'm, I'm pointing out that I don't believe it's necessarily an eternal salvation. I believe it's a physical salvation. They're going to be delivered from something physical. And Brother George, it takes place in an event where the Lord will have to, God is divinely going to cut those days short. What are the days I'm talking about? I think he's talking about the days of the great tribulation. I think that's what he's talking about. You say, well, you know, Brother Jake, God made it very plain in His Word. There will be three and a half years of good, and there will be three and a half years of bad. And uh, during that three and a half years bad, if God had not cut it off at that time period which He did, Brother Bill, that time period which is the time of Jacob's great trouble, that's the, t- that's the time uh, when the Antichrist is going to turn all his fury on the Jews, on the children of Israel. And if God didn't cut it off when He cut it off, Sir Susie, the Antichrist would have a- a- ample time to eradicate the nation of Israel. But God's not going to allow that to happen. He's not going to allow that to happen. He's going to cut it short. He's going to cut it off. What event is going to cut it off and prevent... I'm getting ahead of myself here. What event is on the docket that we haven't talked about yet that would that cuts the tribulation short and could prevent the Antichrist from entirely or wholly eradicating the nation of Israel? Oh, it's called the Battle of Armageddon. And listen, the, the, the children of Israel are going to be in the Valley of Megiddo with their backs up against the wall. And then King Jesus is going to come and He's going to deliver them and he's going to take down the beast and his army and the children of Israel in that day will be gloriously delivered and a small remnant will be saved. Because Jesus is going to come. When he comes, that's the marking of him cutting short those days of tribulation. According to verse 29, I'm coming to a close. And as Esaias said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth, hath left us a seed we had been as Sodom and been like unto Gomorrah. There is an event on the docket that will necessitate an intentional and merciful sparing of a seed. It's funny, I, I, I typed this sermon up, studied this sermon before I started reading the book, started reading today, and I, I found this book a couple months ago, Brother Bill, and I as far as I know, there, this book is not in circulation in the United States. There's a few in the uh, United Kingdom. Somehow some preacher in Florida had it, and I bought it. I just bought it cheap. And the, the book really is, it's, it's following the seed promised in Genesis 3. And while it's following that seed from the beginning to Jesus, Sister Ginger, it follows Satan's attacks along the way to try to stamp out that seed. God promised that there would be a seed, but that seed would not only that seed, what that seed would do was bruise the head of that serpent. So, so Satan's attacks have always been against that seed. And then I thought he got successful a couple of times. Remember when Athaliah, who was the daughter of uh, Ahab and Jezebel, when she had married the king of Judah, and he died, and his son died, and then Athaliah took the throne and decided she was going to kill everybody. And the devil said, "Man, I won." But it just so happens that God made sure there was one little boy named Joash. Yes, sir. So what's the big idea about Joash? If 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 Joash had died too, Brother Bill, that line would have been stomped out. How about this? Hezekiah. How about this? Hezekiah. He's that line. Hezekiah was 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 to die twice. And Hezekiah said, God, extend my life. And God gave him 15 years. You say, what's the big idea about that? Not only is that a miracle, but three years after God extended his life, God gave him a son. 
God's going to protect that seed. And that's exactly what He's doing here. God's protected that seed. That's what the whole Bible's about, is protecting that seed. Jesus, 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 Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Well, Jesus has already come, so that narrative changed. No, the, the narrative is, is the same. The seed, the seed. Well, you, what was it in the Old Testament? Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Revelation, Jesus is coming. Yes. That don't bless you, I don't know what will. There's an event on the docket that will necessitate an intentional and merciful sparing of a seed. I'm going to close with two verses. Make one statement. Paul and Isaiah were referring to what another messenger of God referred to. Now, you probably not heard this verse preached on a lot because I've never heard nobody preach on as far as I can remember. But it is a word, it's, it's, it's a passage in God's Word. It's, in a, a, it's a detail, which I believe, to end time doctrine that elaborates on this reality of there being a seed surviving. So they're not like Gomorrah. They're not like Sodom. There is a remnant that will be saved. I believe these two verses go along with that very notion, that very claim. And you say, well, I don't know how I feel about this. Remember I said God was very calculated in this judgment. There's going to be a judgment. God knew the cutoff line. God knew the extremity. Hear me, hear me well. Zechariah chapter 13, verse number 8. God gives us a little insight. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. But the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire. And will refine them as silver is refined. And will try them as as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name. And I will hear them. And I will say, it is my people. And they shall say, the Lord is my God. Now, listen to me, listen to me quickly. I don't believe the Lord is talking about the population of the whole earth. There may be that elsewhere in Revelation. But I believe here, Brother George, he's talking about the nation of Israel. That during the tribulation, I believe the Lord is predicting that two-thirds of the nation of Israel will perish during the tribulation. The other third still has got to go through the fire. They've got to go through the refining. They've got to go through the tribulation period. But that one, and you say, what's the big deal? If, Brother Ed, if it took place today, there's 15 million Jews on planet Earth. That would mean 10 million Jews will die. Yes, sir. But 5 million they're going to be, have their backs up against the wall and they're going to call for their Messiah, the one that they rejected. Oh, yeah. They're going to call for their Messiah. And just as what it said here in Zechariah 13, they shall call on my name and I will hear them. And I will say, it is my people. Yes. And, then sh- and they shall say, the Lord is my God. I'm going to get ahead of myself here. What I'm talking about here sounds a, a whole lot like what, what Paul's going to talk about in chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 13, is a quotation of Acts 2.21, which is a quotation of Joel chapter 2, the, main, the last, few, last two verses of the book of Joel, when there's going to be a people who call on the name of the Lord and He's going to come save them. I think it's talking about the Jews. I think it's the Jews right there at Armageddon, Brother Bill. You say, well, that's not very merciful. 
God said they'd have to judge them. Y'all believe God judges sin? Yes, sir. Would God be would God be righteous if He judged some sin and didn't judge other sin? God's God who promised judgment, but He also promised deliverance. The great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, it is going to be a judgment on planet Earth for the Jews. But at the end of that tribulation, Jesus is going to come. Remember that theme? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And Miss Ginger, the first time Jesus came, they didn't want nothing to do with him. The next time Jesus comes, they're going to want everything to do with him. And they'll say, that's my people. And they'll say, that's my God. Thank the Lord for His mercy. Mercy on the Gentiles. Mercy on the Jews. Mercy on a received people. As we see tonight, mercy on a rescued people.